Hi there, welcome to The Imposters, the podcast series for PhD students by PhD students. I am your host, Francesca Vaghi, and in today's episode we will be talking about how to balance doing a PhD with being a parent. Joining me in the studio today are Mijos Lasli from the Department of Linguistics at SOAS and Dr. Claudia Prieto-Piastro, who completed her doctorate last year at the Department of Middle Eastern Studies at King's College. Thank you for tuning to SOAS Radio and welcome once again to The Imposters. So hello, uh, welcome Miho. Hello. And welcome Claudia. Hi. It's lovely to have you both here. So as uh, I mentioned at the beginning of uh, today's episode, we will be talking today about what it's like to be a parent and a PhD student, an experience that I think is not quite that common, but which certainly does affect a significant proportion of our student body. And before you both tell us a bit about that part of your doctoral experience, I would like to invite you to tell me a bit about your research. Um, if we can start maybe with Claudia. Yes, yeah, sure. I did my PhD on Middle Eastern studies in anthropology of the Middle East. And I worked on the role of food in the construction of Israel national identity. And now what's, what's the, what's now the life Now I'm currently teaching at Brunel, uh, composition and writing and intercultural studies. Thank you. Miho. Hello, thank you for your invitation. It's a pleasure. I'm Miho, a second year part-timer. I'm originally from Okinawa, Japan, uh, which is in the southwest part of Japan. I moved to London 10 years ago with my family, with my son, when my son was two years old. Uh, initially, I was interested in teaching Japanese as a qualified language teacher. So I started master's in applied linguistics and language pedagogy here at SOAS. As my son was still in primary school at that time, he was in year four. So I studied one year full-time course as a part-timer over three years. Uh, while I was doing master's, I met people in the linguistics department who, works on, who worked on endangered languages. When they found out that I'm from Okinawa, they were so curious if I speak Ryukyuans, which is my um, indig- uh, which is indigenous languages spoken in my region. I was I was surprised to be asked such questions in a in a place such uh, far away from Okinawa, <laughs> and also because I didn't value my own ancestral languages as much as my colleagues also was did. Then I gradually realized that I had never valued my own Ryukyuan languages as important as Japanese or English. And I never tried to learn ones. I understand English better than ones, mm. unfortunately. And my parents didn't try to teach me either. Well, my mom even told me off when I was excited to tell her that I learned new one phrases from my friends. My grandma wanted to teach me, but she didn't know how to do so. So... By the time I finished my master's, I was no longer interested in teaching Japanese because it was one of the factors which marginalized Ryukyu languages. So now, instead of looking for a teaching job, I, dis- uh, so, uh, I decided to continue to PhD to revitalize my community 
and help them learn our ancestral languages again. That's so really fascinating. That's, <laughs> that's fascinating. Are you going to do any field work related to this? Yes, we will do, but uh, I can travel only during my son's school holidays, so maybe only <coughs> in summer holidays. Yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. Mm. Claudia, do you want to say a bit more about how you ended up <laughs> studying, what you ended up studying? Yeah, so I came to London six years ago to do my Master in Conflict Resolution in Divided Societies. And I had already the idea of uh, working in something related to food. I didn't know at the time it was actually possible mm. to do a PhD on the topic. So I ended up doing my MA dissertation about recipe books in Israel as political propaganda. And I was lucky enough to find a lot of people at my department that at the time decided to be a good idea to support a PhD. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing a PhD also in that department. And it continued in some ways my research from the master. I had a few chapters that were based on my research, the research that I did on my master. And, and, and I continue with that and, and took different approaches and things change along the way a lot. Mm. But yeah, that's how it started. Yeah, maybe you can tell us a bit more about the whole process of ending a PhD. <laughs> it still sure. seems like so far away. Thank you very much both for telling us about your academic journey, so to speak. We're going to take a little pause already. Um, as listeners to this program know, I like to invite um, the guests to share some of the music that they enjoy um, and find motivational. So the first one is from um, one of Miho's suggestions. It's called Irayoi. Um, Tsukiyohama. Tsukiyohama. That's the title of the song. Yes. Uh, yes. It's both. Uh, it's sung both in Japanese and one of Ryukyuan uh, language varieties. Wonderful. All right. We'll be right back after this little pause. to the kind of meat of today's episode, which is uh, the actual experience of being a parent and a PhD student. So Miho, from what you've told us already, it seems that you were already a parent before <laughs> yes, you started your I, PhD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Claudia, you became a parent towards the end. Is that correct? Yeah. 
Exactly, I got pregnant uh, in my fourth year. Yeah. How how did that feel? So it was, I had it planned because I thought, uh, oh, maybe it's a good idea because after my baby is born, I will have time just to be with him. I I knew it was not I I was not going to have maternity leave, mm. and my scholarship did not cover uh, maternity leave, so I thought that would be a good idea and a good moment just while I was doing, uh, waiting for my viva or having corrections, it could it could work. And Miho, how was it for you? Um, I already had a child before I studied master's or PhD, but um, probably because I already had family to look after, uh, I constantly tried to figure out how to keep a good balance between my personal life and academic mm. careers. And I struggled a lot, but I started master's in 2014. I have been studying part-time all the way through, so I think now I'm getting used to keeping balance both, yes. One of the questions that I wanted to ask you both was mm -hmm. that um, many people I've, I've heard say that mm -hmm. having a child while doing a PhD is is good timing. So would you would you agree with that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if it's good timing. It, it all depends on, on your situation. For mm -hmm. me, it was in one sense, it, it was good timing because for example, now that someone is my son, is one year old, I just started working. So I almost had one year of maternity leave, although I'm a workaholic, so I, <laughs> I was teaching a little bit from January to April while my mother and my mother-in-law were here, but I was teaching around five hours a week. And it was a good idea for me, for my mental health, mm. let's say. Mm. But for me, the It, it was really difficult. I had a really difficult pregnancy. It was a high-risk pregnancy. And it's something that you cannot plan. And if, you, if, if it's your first pregnancy, you don't know how your body is going to react. So I gave birth two weeks after I submitted my dissertation. Wow. Oh. And well, I did that because I was going to have a child. I, I might have taken six more months. So on that sense, it's a good idea if you <laughs> want motivation yeah. for finishing on time, finish exactly on time. However, I did had a three month interruption mm -hmm. uh, because I couldn't work during the first trimester of my pregnancy. Mm. Yeah. Wow, what a journey. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think it's it's been good timing to, to balance PhD and, and parenting, Miho? For me, I, I waited for a while until my son became old enough. Um, so it's it's amazing to hear your story, Claudio. <laughs> Having, becoming a parent during, during a PhD is sounds very hard for me. <laughs> But about becoming a parent whilst doing a PhD, Uh, to be honest, I don't actively recommend to do so because <laughs> multitasking with parenting and doing PhD is not easy at all, mm. especially when a child is very young. Mm. But at the same time, I don't like the idea of postponing becoming a parent mm. either I because doing PhD is quite demanding, but I still want to consider it. It is just a part of our life, so we should enjoy it enjoy both uh, personal life and academic career at the same time. Yes, mm. I, I completely agree with mm. you there because I think uh, sometimes uh, the PhD means for a lot of people putting like 
their lives on hold. Mm -hmm. And I think I did it for a while. I was waiting for the perfect exact moment where I should have should be thinking about other things and maybe maybe this time is good for getting pregnant and mm -hmm. at the end it's never perfect so maybe you wait until you have your first teaching fellowship or your first or your postdoc or whatever and then you will have to hold things for mm -hmm. a year at least or for six months let's say so in any case I don't think it's worth it just to hold your life, your personal life for the PhD. Mm -hmm. You need to continue and do the things that you want to do. And of course, things change when you're a parent, but that you can do the things you want still. There's no reason why you should stop your personal life or your professional life. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. That's such a nice reflection. Um, I think you've already kind of touched upon it in, in saying these things, but one other question I wanted to ask you about becoming a parent and, well, doing a doctorate is what have some of the highlights been of, of being a parent at this time? Oh, for me, it was having someone in my viva. Uh, I think for me, it was through all my pregnancy, I was writing. All the time I was writing, I was sitting thinking, I need to finish this like for next week. Otherwise, I will not be able to have a baby and just finishing up. So I, the moment I, I went out of my viva, I saw my son was there. Mm. So it was a really, really nice moment because in a way, I think he's a PhD baby, let's say. <laughs> They were born almost at the same time. And the the year of writing up, he was also being created, let's mm. say. Mm. So it was really nice for me to have him here. Also, my mother was visiting London at the time. So there were a few generations there. And, and it was a really nice moment. And mm. it was like a highlight of the PhD having him there. That's wonderful. Um, regarding highlights from me, I think I have two things to say. Having a child, I had to sometimes because you know um, when I have a, uh, after school, I had to bring my son with me to the lecture or talk, and mm -hmm. so it, it was obvious uh, that I have a child. Then mm -hmm. that triggers uh, some of my colleagues to speak about their own personal lives as well. Mm -hmm. So I had more opportunity to hear other people's experiences outside of their mm -hmm. academic life, like their uh, how how is how is their role as a wife or mother or uh, what is their personal life values and what is priority. So it was very interesting to know other people's life. And another thing is um, because of my stress and workload of my master's and PhD, my family had to sacrifice a lot for me. So we often had conflict mm -hmm. <laughs> between husband between husband and wife or mother and son. And my, my son's behavior, uh, he had behavior problem at school I think partially because of me, <laughs> mm. because I couldn't support him well. So whenever we came across, um, uh, faced the challenges, we had to, we had to have discussion and we had to revalue our priority to continue our life journey together. Mm. Then I feel we have grown up together and our family bond has been strengthened, mm -hmm. not being compromised. So it was good experience for us. Maybe I forced them to experience that. <laughs> what challenges have you faced, Claudia? I think Miho has already kind of hinted at some of the difficulties that she faced. Well, what I was saying is a lot of people say like this first year with a child is quite difficult, but 
comparing to my pregnancy, mm. this has been a walk in the park. Mm. Uh, so I think for me, the biggest challenge, let's say, during this year has been that I don't have weekends. Mm. So childcare in London is extremely expensive. That's one thing. And if you're a PhD student or you're doing your corrections or uh, just wanting to get a, a job in academia, you do not have any economical support to do that. Or some universities, I think, for example, SOAS do have uh, childcare scholarships, but if you're in your last year and you are finishing, it's, it's harder. So uh, although we did have help a few days a week, for me, my biggest challenge was being able to do my PhD corrections and to find a job while I was uh, taking care of Samuel. And of course, you feel, I think, you feel guilty a lot of times that you are not giving your full attention 24 hours a day. Mm. I was really, I was really lucky. I, I guess I don't, I don't know if that is a word, but my husband stays one day a week uh, with Samuel. My mother came for a month. My mother-in-law came for another month. So I did manage to finish everything in time and and to get a job and be able to publish something during this year. Uh, it was it was tricky and that's why my biggest the biggest challenge we face now is to actually find time to be together, the three of us, because a lot of time is okay, so now is your turn, you take care of Samuel while I work mm. and then we change. Yeah. So finding that time is not it's not easy. Mm. Yeah. I obviously don't have experience in this regard at all, but um, my mom did a PhD after oh, really? having me and uh, she told me that same basically like she would wait for my dad to have like to take care of me in the weekends like she would pump milk and then go <laughs> she's a scientist so she would go to the lab and spend like the weekends there and then get a phone call from my dad when they run out of milk so <laughs> i don't think they spent that much time together either yeah. at that time great um so we're going to go on to the next uh, music um interlude and this one is one of the songs that uh, claudia has suggested it's called mon amour by the idan Rahel project can you mm -hmm. tell us a bit about why you chose these songs uh so itan Rahel project is uh uh, Israeli music project, let's say, that tries to recover different Jewish music traditions and highlight all of the rhythms and sounds of the Jewish diaspora. Beautiful. We'll be right back. Ne me laisse pas seul, mon amour. Ne me laisse pas seul encore. Je dirais c'est difficile. Ne t'en va pas, je Ne me laisse pas seul, mon amour. Ne me laisse pas seul. Je dirais c'est si difficile.
t'en vas pas, j'étais le Ne me laisse pas seul, mon amour. Ne me laisse pas seul encore. Je dirais c'est difficile. Ne t'en vas pas, j'étais le Ne me laisse pas seul, mon amour. Ne me laisse pas seul encore. Je dirais c'est difficile. we move on to new perspectives gained after becoming a parent or while being a parent and doing a PhD. Are there new visions about what being in academia is like now that you have other big projects going on? Um, being connected to the local community as a parent through my son's networks, I, I tend to identify what could be improved in the society related to my study. Mm. For example, um, how we can help our children explore our heritage, culture, and languages to construct their own identities, or how we could build the atmosphere of creating integrated society where all demographics can deliver their voices rather than simply being assimilated. So I think I, I have become more concerned with whatever I do, including my research, how it could benefit our society as well as satisfying my own curiosities. That's a really nice insight. Well, for me, there are two insights. One might be a little bit more superficial, but the, the first is, well, my PhD is, was about food. Mm -hmm. So having a, a child may, makes you think even more about food mm. if I wasn't already spending most of my time <laughs> thinking about it. So it has been really interesting to see the journey of, uh, of how a human starts eating and how even when he was, I don't know, eight months, he I could already see things that he liked or things that he, they were more interesting for him and how also the connections that a lot of things that he liked were not dependent more in the moment and the person that was feeding him than to actually the taste of things. So it's also it was really interesting to see a lot of things about independence and how he never never allowed anybody to actually feed him. We tried, <laughs> but uh, it was quite clear from the beginning that he was not willing to be fed. He wanted to do it by himself. Yeah. So it's in terms of time and cleaning that is challenging. And in terms even of thinking how what to cook for him and that he actually is able to eat it uh, is interesting. And the second thing that happened to me was uh, I think uh, I became more sensitive or more aware of my students' needs. And I, I think I became a lot more tolerant about a lot of things. Uh, and, and I also, I have always cared a lot about students. I think one of my strongest points in terms of teaching is pastoral care. But I think now... I'm even more aware of things that might happen or might be affecting them in their homes because I feel that I, 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 I don't know, I think I'm thinking in the future and I'm thinking in how my son is going to be when he's 18 or mm. 19 and how I would like him to be treated in, in college mm. or the problems that he might be facing. And also, I think in some ways, uh, the age gap between 
me and my students without having a kid and me and my students after having a child became bigger. So I became more aware of, of me as an authority figure, mm. I guess. Yeah. yeah, really interesting. I am very aware as well that these experiences are probably quite unique to being women. I oh. actually tried quite hard to find a male participant for today's show, but didn't succeed. Um, do you guys know any PhD fathers? <laughs> and would you say that your experience has been the way you've described it to me so far because you're women? I don't know anybody. No, I don't. Interesting. No, no I think uh, there are a few things that we could consider here. Uh, well, first, I have to say I... From anthropologists, I know more women, so that mm. might be affecting. I don't, I don't want to say they are not or mm. that they are not yeah. even equal numbers. Mm. But I think my experience was greatly shaped for me being a woman. I had, I don't want to say like that. Oh, I faced constant discrimination because I didn't. But I did knew, for example, one of the things that I was thinking was I was finishing my PhD when I was pregnant, so a job opportunity came up while I was pregnant. And at the end, I decided not to apply to it just because the idea of just facing an interview while pregnant, and, and it was quite obvious. It was not something <laughs> I could hire. I was like, oh, you know, uh, they are going to ask what I'm going to do, what are my plans? Do you want maternity leave? How is this going to work? And I knew that was something that it, at that time, my husband went to a job interview and said, oh, I'm, I'm having a child in three months, nobody was going to say anything. Oh, yeah, you get your one-month paternity mm. leave, although you have the possibility here that is not that common yet, but mm. you have the possibility of dividing the maternity yeah. leave. Yeah, it made, me, it made me more aware that I was a woman, much more aware. Uh, also, I never told my students I was pregnant. I had to skip one class uh, because I had a terrible morning sickness, and I never told them that I was pregnant. And a few months ago, I ran to one of them in the street and he said, oh, I, I never wrote you this email, but I always wanted to tell you, we were really impressed by you being there and being pregnant and still be teaching. Oh, you did know? Yeah, of course we did know. It was like a, a rumor everywhere, so mm. we knew. So it made me more aware. I did was in a in an interview at some point where people told me, oh, are you going to be able to continue doing your PhD? And there's always this part that is uh, disguised as concern. Oh, it's, it's because I'm concerned about you and how are you going to handle things and are you going to be fine? And I'm just going, I just want to help. Well, I, I if it's nothing, if it's something that I'm not bringing up, I think it's something that shouldn't be mentioned. And I did felt it was some kind of discrimination mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. saying and, and repeating, oh, but do you think you'll be capable of doing it? Yes, if I'm saying I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And there's no reason why I wouldn't. Yeah. So that is something that I think the experience must be different. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know anybody, so I don't know if, if it affects or how it affects, yeah. but yeah. Mm. Miho, do you have any insights about this? Mm, probably people, they don't mean to discriminate you, but probably prob probably it can be categorized as um, unconscious bias. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, it's very difficult to 
How is imagine what, um, the experience when when they themselves don't have experience yet? So yeah. maybe we have to speak up and tell. Oh, no, I'm not sure. What, mm. Yeah, I understand. I don't think, for example, in the case I was mentioning, I I, I think it was unconscious. Mm-hmm. I think the person was was actually concerned. However, it was not okay to do it. Mm-hmm. It was not the time. Not not mm-hmm. I was I was not asking for help. And mm-hmm. in general, I was uh, supported by my department. I was really lucky <laughs> mm-hmm. that my supervisor was on maternity leave when I got pregnant. So she was really sympathetic about the situation. Mm-hmm. And at some in, in, in some situation that we had some bureaucratic problems, actually was our mistake. She just wrote an email saying like, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry, but we have two maternity leaves here. So please mm-hmm. help us out or this is not going to be finished in time. And it was some bureaucratic thing to be able to submit my dissertation. So I got more support from her because of that, I think, because mm-hmm. she was in the same situation. Mm. I think pregnant woman and uh, a mother who has a, a Mm, breastfeeding. Uh, breastfeeding or mm-hmm. babies. I think they, uh, I forgot how to call them, but it's one of uh, pro- protect, protecting figures, I forgot. Mm-hmm. So they shouldn't be discriminated. Mm-hmm. People who feel discriminated, uh, it's difficult for people who who, are, who feel discriminated to, to speak up and educate them. But instead, I think as an institution, they should give more training on on this unconscious bias, mm. then we should raise awareness through mm. those yeah. kind of training. Yeah, I Definitely. completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I know a, a friend here who, who had some trouble. She's, she's oh. postdoc and she had some trouble negotiating maternity leave oh. on her contract. So it's, uh, yeah, I think, as you say, probably people don't realize that they're doing it, but nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, we've tapped actually into another question that I wanted to ask, which mm-hmm. is whether or not you've felt supported by your institutions. Again, I think you've already kind of hinted at mm-hmm. whether or not that was the case. Um, as, as soon as I believe there are some framework, frameworks like childcare costs, uh, covering childcare costs or those things, services, but I never use them. I I hope if they it would be good if they have childcare facilities or some kind of yeah. um, instead of bringing my son to the lectures if I could leave him somewhere but but on the other hand uh, when it comes to soft structure no, do you call it soft structure people people are very f- um, helpful back in Japan we don't have uh, we don't really support uh, people with children. Um, they were expected to refrain from bringing children to, or even to the restaurants. But here, people are very helpful. So I really appreciate that. So in my case, I was really supported. I I don't know about my institution. I cannot speak about King's because I never ask for institutional help. So I Mm. never ask for childcare support or Mm. anything like that. Mm. I did notice in this last two years, and I noticed because I was paying attention, maybe things happened before that they now there's a student society for parents and they also open uh, family rooms through mm-hmm. the university. So in, in theory, you could be there breastfeeding or mm-hmm. you can change your baby and it's a really clean space and comfortable. I have never been inside actually, but mm-hmm. they are starting to do this kind of thing and it's quite useful. I also notice there are no changing tables in all mm-hmm. of the toilets. <laughs> And so that's that's something important. Where do you Mm. change your baby if you have 
mm. your baby with you while you take classes. I hadn't even thought of that. And so as doesn't have changing tables in yeah. any of the toilets that I know of, at least. Right. I have noticed, yes, for example, yes. in Kings, there are a few of them, the, one, the new ones, I mm. think, a few of them have. And I have also, there are a lot of things, little things that you start noticing. For example, uh, the, the changing table is really, really important, but mm. also microwaves. How about, uh, or oh. yeah, trying to, to heat some milk or things like that. You start noticing there's not enough support or areas even in the library to be able to be with children that would be quite useful to have an area in the in the libraries where you could leave your kids like a soft play thing where mm. you could leave your things your mm. baby while you actually try to get some books maybe not even sitting down and, and read in the library maybe just try to look for books and go back home trying to work mm. that that's something that doesn't exist i haven't seen it and would be easy to make cheap and quite useful and when we talk about PhD students, there there are more parents, yeah. so it's important. Mm. And in terms of my department, I felt supported by all of the all of the lecturers, especially by my supervisor. But in general, people knew, and they were quite happy for me. And and they, I I took my baby at some point to the department, and everybody met him, mm. and it was quite nice. And in terms for my scholarship, I have a I had a scholarship from Mexico. No, I didn't feel support at all. There's not <laughs> such a thing as maternity leave. And I knew for experience of other friend of mine, another friend of mine that had a baby while she was uh, doing her PhD, that they said, if you're doing a PhD, that's your uh, full time work and you do not have time for having baby. So there's nothing. So. You always, if you decide to do this, if you decide you want to have a baby while you're pre while you're doing your PhD, you need to check not only with your institution but the policies of your scholarship yeah. about that because it changed from country to country yeah. and institutions. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right. So now we are going to move on to the second song that Miho brought for us, uh, Amma. Amma. Yeah. It, is there it means mother. Okay. Perfect um, then. Uh, Academic level in, in my hometown is quite low compared to national level because we had our own um, languages and and Japanese language is, we, we are fluent in Japanese, but still, I don't think it's our mother tongue yet. <laughs> <laughs> I I think maybe some people object. Anyway, so, so many young people, they tend to, sometimes they have difficult time during teenage time then um, they have. They sometimes make problem with their parents. Then the singer of this song, mm. he in teenage time he was quite. Uh, he hurt his mother a lot. But later, when he had his own daughter, he really felt uh, thankful to his mom. So he sang that love to his mom. Oh, beautiful! Mm. And I think perfect to kind of transition away from from the section about new perspectives. Thank you very much. <laughs> we'll be right back. Sokaro 
悩み抜いた末にこの名を私につけたと聞きました我が家はあの頃からやはり裕福な方ではなく友達のおもちゃや自転車を羨ましがってばかり少し困ったような顔でごめんねと繰り返す母の隣でいつまでもいつまでも泣いたのを覚えてます名前をあなたは私の全てを許し全てを信じ全てを包み込んで惜しみもせずに何もかも私の上に注い続けてきたのに甘よ Wonderful. So we've、uh, reached the final bits of the show. I wanted to ask you、um, both、uh, what your future career plans are. I know that Miho is still at the MPhil phase, so、mm-hmm. still quite a bit ahead of you, but do you already know what you'd like to do after your PhD? I vaguely, vaguely have a vision. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I might continue my career in academia if I can fully exercise my expertise and the future institution wants. Wants it from me. But、uh, my main interest is、um, how I can keep making contribution to my communities, including where I live. Actually, I have been also attracted to giving psychotherapies to children.、Mm-hmm. And I did, I joined、uh, NGOs in my local communities. And I was visiting schools to give、uh, play therapy to children who h a s problems at home. So, I actually hesitated if I continue to PhD or get trained as a qualified psychotherapist. So,、mm-hmm. I, I, might, I might start a professional training in psychotherapy after completing my PhD, but I don't know yet. Fair <laughs> enough. You have some time to think about it, but that sounds really, really interesting.、Mm-hmm. And again, going back to what you said on how you'd like to contribute to your community and, and having a child has some particular major aware of that, that's wonderful. Claudia. So, I plan to continue teaching. I don't know what is going to happen about the researching part. The only reason I don't know is, is just because I enjoy teaching more. And I think、uh, there's not a lot of people that seem to be interested in this. And I think、uh, is one of the biggest、uh, problems in higher education now is that you don't have people that actually want to teach. It seems to be something that you have to do because you are a researcher. So I have noticed students pay the price for that. and... For a reason, I don't know why, but I, I really like it and I really enjoy it. So I might, I might continue doing this. I'm not sure what is going to happen, but my idea is staying on academia or maybe getting trained to teach in high schools.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I also would like to keep doing some research about the food, but maybe something about、uh, food and children. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know you're also、um, currently doing some food consulting, am I right? Yeah, so I got、uh, this summer, I was,、uh, I'm Mexican, and during the、uh, summer, I got trained as a cook in Mexican food, Mexican traditional techniques. And maybe the dream of my life is being a taco expert. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you know, that,、um, know that my,、um, my place, Okinawa, there are a lot of、uh, migrant peop-、uh, people, a lot of people who migrated to Latin America. Their descendants are coming back to Okinawa again. And so, taco, taco is one of our、uh, signature dishes. <laughs> that is really, really interesting. Yeah, so.、Um, 
Well, I'm I'm working a little bit in this. I'm I think there's a lot uh, a lot of work to do about Mexican food mm. in London, about especially authentic methods more than mm. dishes. Uh, but the preservation of the Mexican culinary knowledge is something that I'm really interested in. So my aim at some point, if I ever have enough time to do this, is to actually being able to open a cooking school, a Mexican cooking school in London. Mm-hmm. And I have previously done some food consultancy. And now that we're here, if you're interested, we also have a project for Dia de Muertos on uh, the 2nd of November. We'll be having some pan de muerto, bread of the dead. <laughs> it, it is better than it sounds, I promise. It, hot, it really is. I hot, might be one of the first students. <laughs> <laughs> hot chocolates. Uh, and we will do this in a place called Singusano. You can Google that and, and find the links in, in Facebook. So we are really trying to work in those traditions yeah. and, and save them. Uh, yeah. Listeners, please scroll down on the page you're currently listening from and you'll see all the links to this. I will I will add them to the website. And uh, having known Claudia now for, yeah, since I started my PhD, basically I can both say that she is a wonderful cook and you're definitely going to achieve whatever it is you set out yourself to do because you're <laughs> such a hard worker. I don't know how you do it, but you definitely... Okay. Finally, is there any advice that you can give to PhD students, both those that are parents and those who aren't? I, I have to. Yes. Um, I, ass- I, I assume the majority of PhD students are from quite successful background. Before starting PhD or master's, I was just an ordinary immigrant housewife um, who was even struggling with English. After starting doing PhD, I have now I, I think I feel I have higher self-esteem because I have a good circle of people around me constantly and I have many opportunities for professional training. Especially I feel really privileged with the fact that I have my voice is heard more often than before. Then actually I am invited to radio program as well. So I have two messages two messages to people, um, regardless being or not being parents. The first one is I'd like you to reckon again with the fact that your voice will be heard more than before. So I'd like you to take maximum advantage of such opportunities and know also, uh, also know its responsibility and impact. Second thing is, I don't want you to sacrifice your own personal life too much for mm. doing research. I wish you can enjoy both your personal life and academic career. Oh, thank you. That's really wonderful. <laughs> Well, I was going to give the same advice exactly. Don't stop your personal life because you want to be the best research. Probably being a parent might might make you a better researcher even. I'm much more efficient with my time, Mm -hmm. for example. As I said, I would have never finished this if if it wasn't because I was pregnant. However, I think if you are considering this as an option for you as as having uh, children while you are doing your PhD and you already started your PhD or not and you're just considering these options, I think you need to th- to to really be aware that things will change. There's absolutely mm-hmm. no way, absolutely no way things will be the same uh, in terms of, of conferences mm-hmm. or traveling. Things will be different and that is something you need to consider. 
And then the other thing is that you will be working around 20 hours a day and you need to be honest with you and think if you can do it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with saying I cannot do everything at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, so you will be needing to stop your PhD even being I think even if, if, if you're a man and you're not the one that are that is breastfeeding, your work will be affected. And you have also the right to enjoy these months. It's not only about, oh, I need to do all the th things all the time. I, I try to do it, actually. And, and, and no, of course you can't. And, and you shouldn't. And you don't need to. You can have a break and, and spend a few months, a few months of your whole life and your whole child's life just devoted to that, to taking care of him. So I really recommend that you plan this carefully and if you decide to do it to be aware that you will be stopping your your work your professional life for a few months there's no way you can stop it for three weeks no you things will be changing maybe for the best but you need to be aware of that so much food for thought today um All I can say now is uh, thank you very much, both of you. I'm always very grateful for all of the guests that volunteer their time to come and talk to me, but I'm extra grateful that you've taken time out of your very busy lives and time away from your children to come and, and share your experiences today. Um, I'll leave you with another song by De Dan Rajel Project, this time a song um, sung in Spanish, Detrás mm. de mi alma. Thank you very much for tuning to SOAS Radio. Thank you, Mijo, and thank you, Claudia, once again. And I'll catch you again in about a month's time. Si no arrebatas mi 
saber que escondo en mi interior Y la verdad no importa el tiempo Y lo que tardes en saber quién soy Si en un segundo, en un abrazo Tú logras siempre el alma descifrar ¿Qué importa si de vez en cuando Se escapa una Alcanza esta señal. 